You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. This is an Allied Health and Nursing Education Outreach Program podcast in collaboration with the Education Hub at the Royal Children's Hospital. Good morning. My name is Virginia Beckerman and I'm one of the nurse educators in the Allied Health and Nursing Education Outreach Program. And I'm delighted to be here today speaking with Professor Fiona Newell. Fiona is the Director of Nursing Education and Research here at the Royal Children's Hospital. And this is the second podcast of a three-part mini-series on nursing research. And today we're going to be talking about using evidence in practice. So Fiona, thank you for joining us today. Thank Thank you. you. It's a pleasure to be here. So just a note that my nickname is Jin, so Fiona is likely to refer to me as this throughout this podcast that you're listening to today. So Fee, let's kick things off. I think one of the greatest challenges, and we actually tapped into this a little bit in our previous podcast, one of the challenges for nurses and in general is knowing what is good or robust evidence for nurses in their clinical practice. So what do you think are some of the ways that nurses can find reliable evidence for their practice? How can they use it safely and in the most appropriate manner? Yep, I think there's a a range of options of evidence that are out there. The first place I'd encourage people to look are institutional guidelines. And if their institution has their own clinical guidelines, look there first because There are expectations of how clinical guidelines are developed and if institutions follow those guidelines then you can be reasonably confident that you're going to have good quality of evidence in there. Granted that for some things there's not good quality evidence anyway. There's nothing that tells us why we should do four alley obs on a well child in hospital Mm. but we do it anyway. So I think there's an element where the evidence sometimes isn't strong and our clinical guidelines have to acknowledge that but they're a good place to start. If your institution doesn't have the kind of guideline you want, then there's lots of guideline repositories that you can look at, such as the Great Ormond Street Hospital have great clinical guidelines, the RCH have great clinical guidelines, and then there's the NICE guidelines that come out of the UK as well. So there's different places that you can open up those platforms, type in what you're looking for and see if there's anything there. If you're not having a lot of luck with guidelines, then you can do a a quick and dirty literature search to find out what evidence is out there. But I think it's really important that you know when you're even approaching published evidence that just because something is published does not mean it's good research and good science. And it's really important that we bring the same level of critical thinking to published works as we do to anything else that we read, just to make sure that we're not, I guess, following bad advice in what we're putting into practice. I think that's such a great point that you make, Fee, and I think that's something actually for me, you know, when I started my master's actually just a couple of years ago and started to look for evidence again in a different way and started to learn just how much there is and, as you've said, what is good versus perhaps not so good and are they peer-reviewed, et cetera. And so I think this actually goes in really nicely into um, our next question or point that we're making just now. And, you know, we know that health information through Google, as one example, and other search engines, whether it be Yahoo or Firefox or whatever it might be, has actually never been more available. And that our patient and our family populations are in some ways more health literate than ever before. So I think for our nurses, I wonder what your opinion is about what you think about using Google 
or similar for searching for answers to questions in nursing practice and is it okay I think you know sometimes for myself you know sometimes you might get a condition for example that you're a little bit less familiar with and you might do a quick little look yep. to see so you know a bit about it for example but I wonder what your opinion is about using yep. such search engines. Well I think it's an okay place to start especially as you said to understand perhaps a disease pathophysiology mm. I use Google quite often if I'm reading a paper and I don't understand the statistics Mm. that it's talked about. I'll Google that statistic and find out what it is that it's supposed to be telling me Mm. so that I can understand the paper better. As I said, even medical literature that has been peer-reviewed sometimes has poor science in it. Mm. And so it's really important to be careful about what you read, including on Google. I would encourage people if they're thinking about something that's more related to, I guess, an option of clinical care or a way of doing clinical care as opposed to pathophysiology or a definition Mm. of a statistic, to think about upgrading their search to Google Scholar because in that Mm. you will find slightly higher level of hopefully robust information. still need to bring a critical spirit to the table and think about what you're reading but you're more likely to find something that's slightly better quality. I think it's largely horses for courses. I think Google works well if you're trying to understand pathophysiology, diagnostics and statistics, those kind of things that are a little bit more black and white sometimes. But I think where you're wanting to understand perhaps a comparison between treatments, then I think that upgrading your search probably would be a wise thing. Yeah. So thank you very much, Fee. I think that was a great point about Google Scholar specifically as well, because it is, as you say, sort of that next level, if you like, of looking at perhaps peer review pieces, et cetera, in our literature. So thank you very much for that. Uh, So moving on to our next question, and this may very well be our final question. So Fee, what do you think are some definite do nots for you in relation to using evidence in nursing practice? And I I guess what I mean is, do you have some key rules that you would tell nursing staff never to do when it comes to searching, whether it be Google or for other pieces of literature? I only really have one rule that's not really specific to literature searching. It's more about our approach to the questions that are driving that. And that is to never accept that doing what we do is okay because we've always done it that way. I think if you've got a question about that, it needs to be answered. So don't be satisfied when you get that kind of answer to a question about practice because we've always done it that way. I think that's a bit of a red light to me of, okay, that might not be the person then that I'm going to get on site and work with. I'll go and ask someone else and see if I can get ahead somewhere else if I need help in Mm. getting the answer to that question. But I think it's really important as an organisation to never just accept that we've always done it this way and therefore it's the right way. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, Fee. And um, certainly in one of our future podcasts, we'll be touching on that again. So I think that's a great lesson for people or a point as a, as a take-home message. And I think in asking the question, going back to what you mentioned at the start about, you know, what is your question? Does the institution have a guideline on it? Am I going to use that as the basis for my evidence, if you like? And because in that particular circumstance, as you say, it's evidenced or it is most likely to have been quite heavily researched in itself. So you've touched on some great points there. So I think, Fee, I'm going to ask you two quick final questions and then I'm going to recap our session today. So Fiona, if you had to name one 
nursing idol, what would it be and why? Look, it's very stereotypical, but it would be Florence Nightingale. (laughs) Um, And the reason why is that she really did encapsulate what I talked about in the first podcast of science intersecting with art. Mm. Nursing that's all just caregiving isn't enough, but Mm. nor is it enough to understand the science behind what we do. We have to intersect both. And I think in her way of talking about nursing, that was emulated by Florence Nightingale. Yeah, that's so true. What would be one phrase or perhaps a piece of advice that you would give to early nurse researchers that you wish that you had been told or perhaps you wish you had known yeah. when you, before you started or when you were starting out? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a good one. I think it would be don't be afraid to add to medical discussions in a way that promotes or it advocates for patient experience. I think a lot of time our doctor or medical colleagues think about outcomes in terms of treatment outcomes, disease resolution, side effect profiles. What I've worked out in my career that nurses are really well placed to contribute to is elements around patient experience. And I think when you ask those questions, you can then help people start thinking a bigger picture than just, I give this drug and it has what effect on the disease, but about on the patient and their family. And so I think nurses are incredibly well-placed to advocate for patients. So I think we should always be really confident in those discussions about treatment to ask about what could we be doing to support the patient experience here or there's this gap in patient experience. Could we collect some data about that while we're collecting data about adverse events? That's such a great answer. Thank you, Fiona. So Fiona, thank you for today. Just to recap about what I've learnt from our discussion is that if you're starting out with a question and you don't know where to find your answer, looking at your institutional guidelines as a starting point and if you cannot find it within your institution, going to other guideline repositories as you mentioned, whether that be with RCH or the NICE guidelines, Google might be okay in certain circumstances if you're looking up the pathophysiology or perhaps something on the diagnostics or statistics in relating to your question but be careful with how you use it and I think that's about the key points from today so thanks very much Fiona for today's session thank you thanks for listening please view the description section below for more information on this topic The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.